car. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. So if you have a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 16. And there's no excuse for you not having a Bible because if you look in front of you, there is a blue Bible there. We all, we're going to follow along in that same version. So the page numbers, there's two ways you can find this. I can give you the page number or you can also go to the contents page at the very start and look into the New Testament because that's where the book of Acts is and look for the page number there yourself. But I'll see if you're doing that and I will tell you go to page 924. 924 for Acts chapter 16. So we're continuing a series that we are doing of 100 days. So all five churches, maybe you don't know this, but all five churches are preaching the same sermons um, across all sites uh, today and for the next um, 100 days. And the theme of that is a prayer for the awakening of our souls and of our city and of our land. So let's look at Acts chapter 16 to see how God awakened a city and awakened a land and awakened souls. Acts chapter 16 says, beginning at verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them and for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they increased in number. Verse 6, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them there. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Keep your Bible open because we will be working through that in the next 20 minutes together. I'm going to pray one more time, uh, and then we'll unpack these verses. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We invite your presence here. We need your presence here, and we need you to teach us today. We need you to open ears and to open eyes and to open hearts, and I need your help as I preach this sermon. We ask our God that you would take all the glory and all the honor, and everyone says, Amen. So I was a child of the 80s. I don't know if anyone else grew up in the 80s, but I was a child of the 80s. And the 80s is responsible for some of the worst fashion ever known to humanity and some of the worst hairstyles known to humanity as well. But it's also known, it redeemed itself slightly with some of the best cheesy TV series that were right there. One that I loved to watch when I was a little boy was the A-Team. I don't know if you remember the A-Team. Anyone remember how the A-Team started? If you don't, I'm going to do the start of the A-Team. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to a prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. 
These men promptly escaped the maximum security stockade of the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then maybe you can call the A-team. Dun, 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 dun. All together, dun, dun, dun. I don't think you would do that. <laughs> shame on you, shame on you. We're in church, people, we're in church. One of the main characters in that TV series is a person called Hannibal Smith. Do you ever know or you remember what he used, his line used to be? I love it when a plan comes together. And we all love it when our plans and our hard work and our effort all comes together and our plan works out. And I wonder, have you ever had a plan? And I mean a good plan. Not a selfish plan, just a good plan, a biblical plan, a God-centered plan, a good plan with wisdom that's mature, one of those type plans. Maybe it was a plan to start a business for a business startup. Maybe you wanted to start something or pioneer something. Maybe you wanted to make a difference where you work or where you live or where you are. Maybe your plan involved a relationship. Maybe it was a friendship, maybe it was a date, maybe it was an engagement, or maybe it was marriage. Maybe your plan involved starting a family, or moving house, or getting a new job, or a better job, or just moving somewhere else to this new place that seems so much better, and just starting a new life there. I wonder, have you ever had a plan like that? I've had plans, and we as a family have had plans. Plans that are achievable, plans that got so close that you could almost reach out and touch them, and just something then happened. And that plan faded, and that dream faded, or it was crushed, or it just died. I wonder, can you relate? Sometimes a door closes and a plan ends. I hate it when a plan doesn't come together. And sometimes when that door closes, however, we immediately have a peace about it. We immediately know why the door closed, and we can see why the door closed, and we can see something better lies ahead. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes we have no idea why the door has closed. And here's what makes that even more painful. What if it was God that closed the door? What if your plan has the door slammed closed in it and it was God that closed that door? Here's what Chuck Swindle says. The thing that makes it difficult is that we usually misinterpret that sound, that sound of a door closing. It often comes on the heels of a strong commitment to obedience, being filled with the Spirit, going through a season of prayer followed by hard work, diligent effort, the counsel of others, and then slam, the door shuts And what makes it even more difficult, following the closing of the door, there is silence, God's silence. And we do not think at that moment that this is going to lead me to something better. I I wonder, can you relate to that? Acts chapter 16, I don't know if you got it in our first reading. Acts chapter 16 is about a door slamming shut. In fact, it's about a couple of doors slamming shut shut. It's about then God also opening a door, but when he opens the door, it also slams shut again. I hate it when a plan doesn't come together. The person in Acts chapter 16 that we focus in on is Paul, and Paul has a plan. Paul has a great plan. It's a biblical plan. It's a God-centered plan. It's a gospel-centered plan. He's probably one of the best-known characters outside of Jesus in our Bible. He was famous for his 
deep theology. I'm being a missionary. Probably in about 10 years, if you read through his letters, in about 10 years, he covers something like 15,000 miles. And he does that on foot, and he does that on boat. He planted, some estimate, 14 to 20 churches. Some say it's way more than that. Of our 27 New Testament books, he writes 13 of them. Paul was successful. And the reason that Paul was successful, because he had good God-centered plans, and God was blessing those plans. He goes on three famous missionary journeys, the map. I always love a map. Um, The map will come up and show you those three journeys that he goes on. And on a second journey, at the start of Acts chapter 16, he has a plan, a good plan, biblical plan, God-centered plan, gospel-centered plan. He wants to extend the kingdom of God. What can be wrong with that? What can be wrong with wanting to take the gospel and share the gospel? He wants to go to a place called Asia. And Asia at this time was dark and godless. And they needed to hear the gospel. They needed some pioneers to come. They needed some people trained in planting churches. They needed a good theologian to come. And that is exactly what they have in this team going in Paul, Timothy, and Silas in Acts chapter 16. This sounds like a great plan to me. A great plan. Let's just fling open the doors and let this all happen. And they have a tremendous track record. Look at verse 5 in your Bible. The churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased, increased in numbers daily. God's hand is on Paul's plan. But what about the closed door? Look at verse 6 and 7. They went through the region of Igelia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak in Asia. First closed door. Wasn't expecting that. Then they move on a little further and they attempt to get into Bithynia this time. But the Spirit of the Lord did not allow them in there. Slam. Can you hear the slam? That's a loud slam. Twice that door slams on them. And here's the thing. There isn't a single word of explanation as to why the door closes, other than the Holy Spirit closed the door. Here you have a team that are willing and able and equipped and are passionate about going to church plant and to reach the lost, and twice a door slams shut by God. And here's what's easy to do in this passage. It's easy just to jump to verse 9, because Paul has a vision He has a vision of a man calling him from Macedonia, and we can just jump straight in to a brand new opportunity and a brand new adventure. And if you read on further than we did in our passage today, you can see the benefits of that open door, that new adventure, and that new opportunity. But what about the closed door? Because maybe you're stuck in that situation right now. Maybe that's who you feel right now. And instead of jumping from verses 6 and 7 to verse 9, let's just pause at the the door that has been slammed. Because I don't know what time there is between both these doors closing and the other one opening. Can you imagine sending your report back home as a missionary, your prayer letter update to your praying sending church that your mission got canceled? Like, how do you insta-story a feel like that? How many likes are you going to get on social media whenever your ministry gets shut down, gets closed down because of God. 
And it's those in-between moments of one door closing and another door opening that we can just feel so deflated and so disillusioned by what God is doing or isn't seemingly doing in my life. So let's not be too quick to jump ahead. But let's look at verse 9. What is happening in verse 9? Well, it's night. What does night mean? Well, it means it's dark. The setting is dark. They are at Troas. They can't go forward any further from Troas. They've literally come to the end of the land. It's a dead end because right in front of them is water, is a sea, is an ocean, is the Mediterranean Sea that's right in front of them. They cannot go forward any further. Why does that matter? Or how is that helpful? Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to lead us to a place of darkness. We don't want that. We don't like that. We don't think we need that. But sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to do that and lead us into these unknown seasons of life and lead us to the dead ends of life and lead us to places where there is no way forward, where we have exhausted our plans, where we have run out of ideas. And sometimes God does that so that our dreams and our plans and our desires either feared or get crushed or die. But the reason God does that is so that he can sow and plant and grow and bring to life his dreams and his plans for our life or for our church or for our ministry. Because it's so easy to be Paul and be successful and just go, like literally everything I touch just turns to gold in this setting. But sometimes God needs to remind us some things. And that's what he does with Paul in this passage. Sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to stop us. We need to be stopped by God so that we get to hear God. And that's what happens in verse 9. This vision of this man that begs him to come over to Macedonia. Macedonia is modern day Europe. This is a place that was never on Paul's radar. Like he didn't have any dreams or plans or desires to go there, but God had a dream and a plan and desire to take him there. So Paul gets in a boat along with his team. He sails off without Google mapping it, without Googling to find out what the place was like that they were going. They get in a boat and they simply sail 156 miles until they land in Europe and they get off that boat. The first person they meet when they get off, and you can read this later today in Acts chapter 16, the first person they meet is Lydia. She's a businesswoman, CEO of a company, a fashion design company. She deals in purple fabric. It is thought that she, along with her family, are the first to start a church in Europe. Paul started a Bible study. She went along to that Bible study. She gets saved. It's the first Christian that we have in Europe. And her family and herself get baptized. And we think she started the first house church in Europe. Then the next person we meet is a slave girl. A slave girl who is possessed by a demon. She is exploited and she is abused by her master and she is used to give fortunes. And when she gives fortunes, they pay not her, but pay her master. Paul meets her and he casts that demon out of her. She is set free, but the master is not happy and has Paul and Silas put in jail. So the girl gets her freedom, but Paul loses his freedom. The next thing we meet is this jailer. And if you look down to verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, you will read this. So here's the two people in prison. That's a closed door. Like that is literally a closed door. You're in prison. 
But praying in prison and singing psalms to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, this is Paul. They're, singing, they're praying and singing. Paul and Silas are praying and singing. Verse 26, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Then verse 30, a jailer cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you see what's happened in this passage? You have a businesswoman, you have a demon-possessed slave girl, and you have a hardened pagan jailer that formed the first church in Europe. And if you want to read more about that church, you could go to the book of Philippians and read what happens next in that church. And I say all that to say this. One closed door led to that. One closed door led to this happening in Europe. And it didn't stop there in Acts chapter 16. That was the first time the gospel hits Europe. But it will spread from there. And it will spread from Europe to the ends of the earth. And a number of years will pass, but that exact same gospel and that exact same message will travel to places like Ireland and Belfast, and you will have churches like Willowfield that pop up. And you will have churches like Willowfield who want to plant other churches and send other people to other parts of Ireland and other parts of the world and even Cambodia. Hi amazing to see those little kids and what is happening there. All because God closed one door but opened another door and the gospel explodes around the world. And he doesn't stop there. The church is growing and we will hear stories of the love and the grace and the mercy and how God can transform lives and how he can transform souls and how he can transform cities and how he can transform lands. And there will be stories still to come where people will be saved. Stories still to come where prodigals will be brought back home. Stories still to come of healings and miracles and what God is doing in and through his church all over the world. And we will start 2020 with 100 days of prayer and we will pray into this. We will pray for an awakening because we are not satisfied that God did something in Acts chapter 16. We're not just satisfied that God moved once on this land or once in this city or once in this church. We are praying for awakening that he will come and he will do more in our souls and in our city and in our land. That all comes because a door closed. But here's the thing with two final observations. Here's the thing. Only God saw that open door initially and had the vision and the dream to where that would lead Paul and Silas and Timothy to and to where we are today. So here's my two observations. The first thing from this passage, God is in control and we are not. That's not very satisfying. I don't like that because I like to be in control. But that's my first observation. 
We are not in control. God is in control. And God knows what he is doing. And God knows why he opens certain doors, and he knows why he closes certain doors. And even sometimes those doors he closes aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but he knows that they're not just the best thing for us. So he closes that door. We're not in control, but God is in control. The second observation is, I don't always understand what God is doing. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Maybe God will close a door in your life one day, and you will know exactly why he closes it. Maybe he will close one door and he'll open another one and you will see very clearly how you've walked through this better door. But life isn't always one open door after another open door. But we still need to trust God. We still need to trust that God is in control and that he knows what is best, as hard and as difficult as that might be. So even as we come into the dead of the night, even in life, as we hit the dead ends of life, even when we have exhausted ourselves, even when we have run out of ideas and run out of plans and have no idea where to turn and have no idea what the future will look like, we need to know that God is in control. And we need to trust Him. We need to trust that God is good and that He is enough and that He is able and He is stable and He is faithful. So if a door opens... Blessed be his name. And if a door closes, blessed be his name. Let's pray together.